Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 46. My name is Damian Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. A quick reminder, after this episode, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free, that's right, a free digital subscription to the Rootless Living magazine. And you can also purchase a print subscription as well. Today I'm talking to Glenn and Trish, who would define themselves as sometimers who are preparing to go full-time in about two years. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Glenn and Trish to the show. How are you guys? Doing great, Damien. How are you? Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm excited to have you guys. I'm doing good. Now, um, where are you guys in the world right now? Where are you guys located? Uh, we're in Connecticut, up in New England. Nice. I uh, recently did the whole New England kind of tour, which was uh, a lot of fun. I thought I was scared to do it for years because of the 40 foot, you know, fifth wheel, but it all worked out really well. What do you guys consider yourselves? Full-timers, part-timers, some-timers? We're definitely some-timers. Um, we want to be full-timers, but that's in the future. Gotcha. I am excited to have you on then because I have only had one other, what I would really classify as a some-timer. And it's kind of interesting because I think there's a lot of people listening that haven't made the leap. They're probably not as far as long as you are in the idea of wanting to go uh, full-time. Let's talk about that. When did the idea, you know, start going with you guys to, you know what, let's figure out a way how we can get on the road. It was your idea. <laughs> yeah, you, right. you drugged me along <laughs> to start so, with. It took a while and it was a process. I mean, a lot of it really starts with just feeling super dissatisfied with what we had going on for our normal lives. Constantly at work, never able to do really anything around the work schedule. And then we took this one trip to Martha's Vineyard about a year and a half ago. Two years ago? I think it was two years ago now. It was two years ago. Trish made me turn off all of my email notifications because I'm a transportation manager. So it's, I was always connected and disconnect completely. And the difference was so amazing, not just in terms of peace of mind and you know, how much fun we were having and being you know, separated from all the stress of life, but just in reconnecting with each other and uh, getting out and seeing things. And that's really where it started to change for us. And we just became determined to give up our life of corporate world and materialistic crap and try to find more meaningful experiences and make some memories together. So currently, do you guys own an RV? I mean, obviously, I'm assuming you have a bricks and sticks, whether you own a rent, but do you have an RV or is it just the house? Uh, it is just the house at the moment. We've been in the market for anything that we could pick up that's, you know, used and affordable for us to experiment with and play with now. And uh, we're going to rent to... and take smaller trips with different units to try them out. Um, but we're probably about two years away from being able to even think about moving out of where we are. So yeah, our we're not youngest, rushing the RV choice because it's which one we get. It's going to be what we're in for a while. So yeah, our youngest child's still in high school. He has two years left. So we're here until he finishes up. That was the same for me when, I'm, when finally my youngest son graduated high school. Uh, dad went away to college is kind of how I say, that's cool. You want to stay here, but I'm gone. Right. And exactly. And our, our oldest daughter was just telling us the other day, she does not like this plan because she just graduated college. She wants us to live here with her, but you know, we got to do what we need to do for us. Right. Without a doubt. No, it's, it's really smart. I think for a lot of people, it's really hard. I mean, we've been in this show. We have discovered that for a lot of us, we've, we've bought into this, and I even saw in your show notes that we bought into this like wrong American dream, which included, you know, big homes, lots of gear, lots of stuff, uh, to even the idea of, this sounds really terrible. So, I mean, and you guys can chime in, but I literally was interviewing someone and they, their, their, 
their moment of sadness is they're not at their nephews. She has three nephews and they're not at everything for the nephews. And I thought, is that another stuff thing that we just haven't really looked at yet? Does it really matter? Cause I only celebrate my five birthdays. You know, last birthday I celebrated was my 45th. The next one will be the 50th because it's just too much for everyone to celebrate every year that I have a birthday. And I wonder about those things that if, if we made a mistake by putting such a priority into these like little micro moments that we think are macro. I would definitely agree because I yeah. mean, our memories and our connections when we're with our family are what create the bond. And if you're at one soccer game, but you're not at the next one, it doesn't change even as you know soccer parents at one point it doesn't change the level of their relationship we put too much pressure on ourselves to be everywhere and be everything and it's really changed in our society i mean uh, you know i'm 49 years old i have memory of my parents being in the stands for the majority of games but i know they weren't in the stands for every game and it wasn't a a measure of their parenting or how much they loved me it was just that i had games sometimes at 3 p.m they worked nine to five how could they do that anyways and Somehow in society, we've changed that. And it's become this thing where I'm glad you guys are kind of talking about it. And even with a, a, an older child saying, hey, you know, we're going to go away and it's, it's going to be good for everyone. Because there is a big difference between quality and quantity. And I think people forget that. Absolutely. You know, yeah. we spend too much time focusing on trying to make, on trying to get it all right and have live up to the societal pressure of what we should be by the time we're this age and what we should be doing that, you know, we lose track of what we want to do or, you know, what should be important to us. We've been not going to a lot of the big family things just because we're trying to like make ourselves happy. And I feel like when we do see our family now, it means more. It's not like, Oh, I'm just seeing you guys again. We saw you last month. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think for me, what, what I've learned in this lifestyle and I've talked about on the podcast is I just didn't take stock and inventory of how much time I spent in traffic, commuting, just the small talk at work, the after work events, the different little birthday parties. And then, you, you know, you throw things in because I, I do want to not assume that everyone has kids, just that and alone yard work, all this house cleaning. When you put all those things in, and then you add kids on top of the it. Yard work. We go off about the yard work all the time. We're reading uh, some meme somewhere the other day that it was like the greatest brainwashing conspiracy of all time, the American yard and what it's supposed to look like and be and the amount of maintenance it takes. I mean, it's, it consumes your life. It really does. No, I totally agree. And if you're going to put that kind of work in, I think it's better to do it into like a, you know, a, a hay farm or an actual farm farm. If you're going to put in that kind of yard work time, at least put it into something that you can consume or monetize. Not just so other people walking by can look at it. Yeah, it's so weird. Which is why, unfortunately, our yard does not look so great most of the time. <laughs> I feel that way sometimes, too. I either when I would see a yard that's like messed up, I'd say to myself, well, there's someone that's really working a lot. Or, you know, for whatever reason, they find it ridiculous to have to pay someone $100, $200, $300 a month to take care of their yard. And it's just one of those things that, I mean, you guys will experience. But it's interesting that you're already having this kind of thought process before where, you know, for me, it was more of a realization on the road. How's the transition of the idea of getting rid of stuff? How's that going? It can be a challenge. But it's exciting too. It is. And, and we find things that we hadn't seen in years, but and sometimes it's a battle for what you're going to go through. But we, we basically broke it down and put it into our schedule because we'd rather do our trips during the week when places are less crowded when we're going out to see somewhere. We're doing those during the week. And then the weekend, as opposed to being off, is house time. We'll spend Saturday going through the garage and separating things out. And then on Sunday, we're going to have a yard sale every Sunday morning from like nine to one for until it's too cold to do it. Just 
you know, selling off whatever we find that we need to, to thin out and really looking at what's really important because the, the memories are in your mind. Kindles make it so much easier to carry books. There's so much you can downsize and get rid of. Yeah. And I mean, we have a house, we've got a four bedroom house at this point and it's filled from basement to attic and the garage just with crap that we've collected over the years. And it's a lot of fun, but it's also kind of stressful to go through and get rid of it all. And I've heard some amazing stories on the podcast where it's been uh, one of the things I heard that really stuck with me and I've repeated on the show recently is that someone was saving these family heirloom things or things that had such high value to them because they were so excited to give it to the generation below them and the generation below them didn't want them. And so they've been holding on to these things for all these years. It meant so much to them. And they were trying to put that kind of like pressure and weight on other people in the family for it to mean a lot to them too. And it just didn't. And it was like weird that we do that. It's stuff. It's not, it, it, you're right. It's not the experiences. It's not the connections. And, but somehow we've been taught this stuff to do it. Four bedrooms, uh, basement, attic, garage, that is a lot of stuff. I mean, you really are going to have to spend some time. And I haven't really talked to anyone that knows that it's at least two years out just because obviously, you know, graduating high school and stuff like that. But a lot of it's a Band-Aid ripped off where people literally, most people on my show, no RV experience, decided they're going to do it. Six months, they're in an RV, everything's sold and given away and they're on the road. And so I don't know what's better. Is it better to take your time and get rid of it little by little, start getting the family prepped for not being at everything so they're used to that? Or is it the Band-Aid? Is it like you guys wait until 90 days out from wheels up and then start getting rid of stuff? I don't know. I mean, you guys are going to have to figure that out. It may happen. Who knows? (laughs) I think part of the reason it worked out this way for us is just where we are in life right now. Uh, Because we have that two-year commitment to let Nick finish high school before we would do anything truly drastic, that already made it a commitment. You know, so we know we want to do this, but we've got at least this much time we're still here. So what can we do between now and then that can maximize the amount of money we're going to have available for purchasing our first RV? Well, instead of getting rid of everything quick, Let's take the time to try to sell it and get a decent price for it, save all the money up that we can. So that made us really look at time and, we, you know, to truly change our lives. If we're already looking at two years, we're probably, you know, to give him time to get it graduated, settled, figure out whether or not he wants to come on the road with us or do something else. We're probably actually three, four years out from total wheels up and driving away. So if he wants to travel with you guys, is that a conversation you have now at all? Or do you still just wait for him to finish high school? We have that with him. We've talked with our vlog, uh, the, our YouTube videos on locations. He's actually really gotten into that and become part of it. Um, He's basically one of our cameramen and he comes around to all of the places that we, well, not all of the places that we go, but the ones that he's interested in. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So it's been talked about from that perspective, making sure we have a sleeping space and somewhere for him so that if for his first couple of years after high school, he wants to ride around with us and continue to help us with, you know, the things that we're doing and get some experience that way. We're down with that. Colin will be 22 by the time we're hitting the road. So other children are all going to be out on their own and doing their own thing. He's the only one we have left to worry about. You know, I've talked about on this podcast a couple of times where I feel like we do this too late in life and not that we, you have to be full-time RVers forever, but I always feel like the right out of high school, if you could get three or four friends together and full-time RV, not just for the experience and to see the world, because really the 18 to 22 years, those are years that just get blurred up and trying to figure out what you want to major in, what you want to do later in life. And, you know, maybe drinking. I mean, mine are a complete blackout four years. I don't remember them very much at all. I'm a mom at that age, so. Yeah. I just think if you're in a small space, if you're trying to live with less, 
would that carry out in the rest of your adult life if you experienced it early on? And so it would be interesting if he does get to go with you, because I think he'll have a different appreciation for, you know, less is more. It's more about the experiences. Doesn't matter where you live, all those kind of things that I think all of us, it'd have been great if we did that, at least for like a two year break before going to college. I would agree 100%. Oh, I mean, yeah. We've tried to encourage our youngest son, our oldest son, I'm sorry, Nate's our youngest, Colin's our oldest, he had an opportunity to go live in Germany for a couple of years with a friend of his from high school whose family moved there. We really encouraged him to. In the end, he wasn't quite ready, but it would have been an amazing experience for him right out of school. He's not ready to start his life yet anyway. Yeah. I mean, so, what most 18-year-olds aren't ready to start no. their life anyway, so... Our second oldest daughter, Abigail, wants to do the band life, but coming up with the money at that age to really get into a unit that's going to carry her around the country is a little tough, too. No, without a doubt. Those things are pretty expensive. Yeah, I think my advice has always been that like three, four. I feel like if you have three or four in some sort of class C or class B, you can probably make it work. Even, you know, doing work camping from place to place, do little part time jobs. What about work? What are you guys doing now? And what would you guys be doing on the road? Or would you be retired? How would what would be your kind of like idea of working? So we say retirement's never an option anymore. We we don't think we'll ever be retired. Well, we're both kind of uh, we're both kind of screwed with the current state of the world and just life in general. Um, I'm a transportation manager still technically, but I fell last November and hurt my back and I've been out of work since then. Uh, which is part of really what helped us start doing more recently is the fact that, you know, I can't do a lot physically, but we can get around more. We have time together. Um, Trish is a teacher. Yeah. So I'm a toddler teacher and the daycare I work at, they reopened, but because of the state of the world, one of the requirements to be able to work with them is to wear a mask, which I can't do because I have PTSD. So I have lots of time available right now with Glenn too, to uh, go out and do things and try things. Just a good observation is there are times where you see people out there that aren't wearing masks. And a lot of times we can just put our judgment and say, there's someone that doesn't want to comply to a rule. And that's not the situation, you know, and I'm glad you're bringing it up and saying it because you just don't know. I mean, I had a friend that has, you know, severe asthma and it's just, it's too much. He can't deal with it. And, but he wants to comply as best he can. But it was funny. I was at a restaurant last night and they wear these things where it's like a little, it looks like a retainer. And it just has a little plastic shield. And I'm like, there's no way that's doing anything anyways. It's like the weirdest thing, but, but you can still see their mouth. It's like they're carrying around their own little like salad protection area, you know, sneeze guard. No, definitely. And the, and the mask issue, I mean, it's a big one and we could probably do a very long time just on it because a lot of the people out there are doing it just because they don't want to. And that's a true story. But other people out there like Trish, she truly cannot wear a mask. She's got a diagnosed PTSD issue. And it's but just gosh, about, I really wish I could, you know, I mean, right. I do as much as I can. Right. But she still works really hard to do her best to maintain social distance. She's really worried about spreading it. But, you know, it, there's always people out there that are judging you for it, too, because they just make assumptions instead of trying to learn what somebody's real story is. That's actually what the subject of our last podcast was on Ain't Life a Trip. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. I, you know, I mean, this is one of the benefits of being almost six foot seven, giant beard, a bunch of tattoos. Um, I can forget my mask and no one's going to say anything. <laughs> it's one of the... You, think, you would think I'm 6'4 and big, 250 pounds. I've always been bald. I've been, I don't want to be intimidating, but I have been my whole life. 
you just, I mean, you don't intimidate me, but you just look intimidating because you're a big guy. But we got attacked in the middle of Stop and Shop a couple of weeks ago for, for mask issues, verbally, like at the top of someone's lungs. It was, it was terrible. Yeah. I've seen a lot of these videos too, or I've seen like even, you know, uh, I went to a restaurant and it, it, they weren't really requiring masks and then they locked down on the mask. Well, the restaurants weren't even open and the restaurant reopened and I went out and I walked up to the front and I was like, Hey, I'm here to m- see my friend who's like, you know, within eight feet of me. And she's like, you have to put your mask on. And I'm like to walk to the table to then take my mask off. Cause I got to eat. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, whatever I'll do it. But it's just, and luckily I had something, you know, in my pocket because we weren't really at the, everyone needs to wear a mask kind of moment yet. But it just was, that was a funny rule that I had to put it on for the eight feet to, to go to him. But you know, I did do it. it. It's kind of an interesting segue. I mean, the podcasts are pretty much evergreen, but I tried my best in the beginning to kind of stay away from COVID. But as months go on, there's really no way to go about it. We tried to, we're yeah. like, you know, we just don't want to make it a thing, but then yeah, we just want to deal with the heavy topics and stuff. Yeah, but it is part of it. It comes up sometimes and it, it's a talking point. And I think it's interesting to hear other people's perspectives of why they can and can't. So I, that's what I just wanted to touch on, because I think some people need to hear that there's a reason why maybe a mask might not be worn. So I appreciate you being transparent about it, Trish. Thank you. <laughs> and, and thank you for saying that, too. It's important. But it's also, I mean, we want people to realize that we get the mask thing, too, because anything we can do to save lives is important. We're not saying the masks are a bad thing. We're just saying... Sometimes you really, really can't help it. Right. No, I totally agree. So work right now, that is a, a huge bummer. I mean, even if in and around not being injured, I don't know what the travel industry is like and what your job would be like, even if you weren't in an injured state. Trish, obviously, you know, not being able to go back and do the thing that you were doing. What is it that you guys are kind of looking towards in regards to when you hit the road? What were you guys thinking? Well, we've got a lot of a lot of different things that we're trying. And one of the things that we decided was that this three to four year period is also our time to experiment with how to generate remote income, whether it's starting our own business or our own online thing, whether it's getting remote work jobs, either doing anything from data entry to accounting. There's a lot of options out there. And so we know that this is where we want to go. And we know that we want to be doing something that we enjoy and that we're passionate about. We're experimenting. We've started a blog, a podcast, and a video blog on YouTube to kind of document our journey and see, you know, what kind of response we can get for the different things that we're trying. We actually hope to grow the video log into kind of a travel blog about places that people with older kids can go for day trips, weekenders, vacations, but also for the parents to get away and have the time that they need too for things that we call date trips as opposed to day trips or weekenders. Um, That's kind of the focus of that. If we can develop enough of an audience in any of those, we may be able to monetize and make that work. I'm also a writer. I always have been. I've been doing freelance writing work, working on a couple of self-published things. So we don't have a completely defined plan yet. We're trying to figure it out. One of our big influencers were Heath and Lissa, who were in, I think, your first Rootless Magazine episode. I ran across them online and we've been reading the things that they do and they've been a huge inspiration. So we're still trying to figure that out. Yeah. But what I hear, which I like hearing, cause you don't, I don't, I don't want to call it real world, but in the real world, I feel like someone that it's already been kind of in corporate America and done it. They're not talking about like this hodgepodge stuff. And I think what I like is what I'm hearing about this, you know, the, in the full-time RV community is you'll basically do anything in order to be full-time, which I think is really rare because a lot of people there's, there's ego in play. Like my career defines me. And I think as I talk to full-timers, that's not the case where it's like, 
I don't care what I'm doing. As long as I'm making income, providing for myself and my family, and I can travel and explore, I'm open to everything. And I love that. I love that, just that openness from people and, you know, and hearing that, that, you know, hey, if I, doesn't matter, you know, I mean, if I can make money in and around the exploring, which I haven't talked about on the show, I feel like, you know, when I left on the road in June of 2017, I worked commission sales for a conference. So my lifestyle had nothing to do with my work. And those two were really separate. And, you know, I literally had a lifestyle as full-time RVing and I had work that had nothing to do with it. Well, obviously now with a magazine and a podcast, my life and lifestyle, my work and lifestyle are the same. There is no difference. There's no break. And I've seen a lot of YouTubers and content creators where they will burn out because of the fact that it's all consuming now. And it is something to look at and think about. It's just something you guys should be aware of. I don't know if that's even something that's been on your radar that that can happen. And those are the people that I do see burn out. I just saw someone announce recently that they're giving up full-time RV life in order to do the work that's in and around full-time RV life. (laughs) I thought that sucks that you guys have have gotten to the point where it's so overwhelming and stressful that you can't full-time RV anymore. So it's just an interesting side note, but I do like that you guys are open to, to do anything in order to live this lifestyle. Well, and it really has been on our radar too. It came up on our most recent trip too, where so American Stonehenge in New Hampshire and we were going to go, we were going to do recording and stuff like that and everything. And we're like, you know what? Why don't we just walk around and enjoy it and explore it on our own and come back tomorrow and record. Right. So and that, make sure that we take time away from the work too, to just enjoy it as us. And that was really nice. I really liked that. Right. Making sure that we got time to have fun too, and not right. just do work stuff. But that stayed on our minds since we first started, because one of the things we realized after that trip to Martha's Vineyard, and as we've been going through the transition uh, mentally and emotionally in terms of how we see our lives in the last two years, was that we were obsessed with the career of the house. You know, that was the focus. That's where we found our sense of self-worth as being a you know, pillar. Well, we weren't pillars, but trying to be <laughs> pillars of the community and whatnot. But the toll it took on our time and our relationship and our ability to do the things that we wanted to do or have fun was just too much. And the stark difference in our in that trip when we disconnected and we set it all aside really showed us that we were done with that. Yeah, it's it is traveling and exploring and being together that we want for the rest of our lives. And the work part, it's not as important. We just want it to be related to it and help make it possible. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, if we could all have it the way we'd want it, it'd be amazing to win the lottery, not have to worry about income and just do this kind of life. But if you are willing to do whatever it takes to live the life, it really doesn't matter what you're doing. Again, that's like, oh, that's the American dream thing that I think is where I, I think it's getting turned upside down. And I think COVID has obviously done a lot of that for people where their identity was in that they were a manager and they were overseeing people. Now they've gone remote and their management has gone down or just, you know, whatever it is, they are starting to learn that they can work anywhere. They can live anywhere. They don't have to be maybe where they are. It's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next five, 10 years, just because of this time period where people had to make really kind of big changes. Yeah. Cause I mean, at this point, literally any job that's not physical labor or direct service just about any job can be done remotely. The world hasn't caught up to the concept yet, but there's no reason to be tied to the community where you work for, you know, 20 years and retire from the factory you started in when you were 18. That's where modern America came from was that age and industry and everybody just settling around the main employer. That's gone now. You know, it's anything can be remote. You can work from anywhere. 
The other person I had on that was a sometime where they were still living in their home, but they did have an RV and they were, you know, preparing to go full time. Our conversation went into the, I don't understand the Monday through Friday. I don't understand why we decided on that as a society, why we decided on five on two off. It's just not enough time to do something. And I talked about how I worked a four, 10 hour and how that was so different. My life was so different because I had that Friday off to do chores, go to the kid's school if I needed to, doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, or I wasn't missing work. And then I had my whole weekend off. It's just those things that I think, you know, it's not that we need to have some sort of like revolution in a way, but we kind of do in a way that, you know, everyone's talking about put this first, put this first. And it's like, you know, we, we need to get back to like putting ourselves first. I know it sounds like we're saying be selfish, but the idea of putting all your stock into the type of job you have, into the type of home you own, the car you drive, nobody talks about that at your funeral. Sounds like I'm trying to be some sort of inspirational, you know, guru. And no, that's not my you thing. can't take it with you. You can't. And nobody gets up and be like, you know, Damien was a great guy. Do you remember his house, you guys? You know, I mean, do you remember the car he had? Man, I, have you ever seen rims like that? Nobody says that stuff. But somehow we feel like, like that makes us. I would talk about rims at a funeral. I mean, <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Depends on what, like maybe it was the last thing we saw before the, the car crash or something, right? I think as we, you know, we, we transition into this lifestyle and I, you know, I mean, mine was a bandaid. It was really ripped off. And so I didn't really get to go through the process the way you guys are. I didn't really get to mourn things maybe the way I would, or, you know, I was lucky that I was able to put three or four bins together of what I considered keepsakes for the kids that they can go through later in life and put that at my parents' house. So I don't have a storage unit. I don't own any property. I just, you know, it's my truck and my RV. That's all I've got. It's really freeing. And if anyone's listening to this that doesn't understand that, like to get rid of all this crap that I had, that I went through a move in 2014. I went through another move in 2016. And when I moved out in 2017, I was still shocked that I had stuff in 2014 that I still didn't need to take with me in 2014 and I still hadn't used. You'd be yeah. amazed how long some of the stuff's been sitting in the back of your closet. I found boxes of this stuff that we, I'm like, where did this come from? Have we not opened this since we moved into our house? What was it like, I don't know, six, seven, seven years, years ago? Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I hate to admit this out loud. I've, I've admitted it before, but it was on an Oprah episode, I believe, where she talks about taking your clothes January 1st and turning all your hangers around. So the, the hanger, yeah, the hangers on the back of, you know, it's hooked backwards basically. And then you look again, July 1st. And if all those things are still hooked backwards, you haven't used that in six months. And I've been thinking of things as I talk to people, like go through your kitchen and put a post-it note and, you know, write whatever the date is seven, one, and, you know, and, and just put a post-it note on every pot and pan, every spice, everything you have, they make tiny post-it notes. And a year from now, if you start going through your kitchen again and they all have post-it notes on it, why do you have that stuff? Right. Get rid of it. Yeah. Sell it. Someone else will want it and need it. And, you know, I don't know if you guys are getting into any of that kind of prep. Absolutely. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, that's exactly what we're going through on our weekends of, that are house days. I was actually doing that today. I was going through the kitchen. Well, we set up um, basically what we call purge days and we pick an area. And we go through it. We did clothes already. So literally, I took every article of clothing that I have and I dumped it on the bed. And I went through it one thing at a time. Ask questions like, okay, does it fit? If not, get rid of it, obviously. You know, stop dreaming that I'm going to lose 20 pounds and it's going to fit. If I lose 20 pounds, a reward can be buying a new shirt. And then do I like it? Am I going to wear it? And I got rid of more than half the stuff I owned. I mean, I, almost two thirds, I think, just going through it like that. I went from a full dresser to two drawers and a stuffed closet to like a quarter of a closet. We just pick an area and go through it. Right now we're working on the garage. So 
we're almost back to all the camping equipment that we've had for years. And we probably don't need the giant cabin tent that we used to use for the whole family anymore. And yeah, because there's just two of us. <laughs> so one thing at a time, one area at a time. It's interesting to hear your clothes because an article I just read recently that said that the average American uses 20% of their wardrobe on a regular basis. And it almost sounds like, you know, you're in that 33%. And it's, it's astonishing to me that we do that. It is crazy. I mean, I had shirts that I just straight up don't like, but I kept them because they were a gift. So I couldn't get rid of them. It's silly the things that we're holding on to. I'm definitely still holding on to too much clothing, but I did do the turn the hanger thing. So in a year from now, if they're still turned, they're going. It's a process. It takes time. Clothes are hard for, and shoes. I get it. Yeah. And there is, I've, I've, I've watched this, the show Hoarders. I, I'm not referring to either one of you as a hoarder, but it is amazing how people have such an emotional connection to an item and especially gifts where they feel like because this was given to them, Father's Day, birthdays, whatever it is, that they can't get rid of it, but somehow they'll keep it and never use it. And that's such a weird phenomenon to me. It's hard to make the connection and realize that, you know, the, the sentiment was in the giving, not in the item, you know, so you can let the item go if you're not using it or you're done with it. The, the gift was still given. The, the love was right. still there. You know, you still got that gift. I think the guilt comes from when somebody asks you, you're like, oh, where's that whatever gift I gave you? And you're like, oh, um, <laughs> that almost never happens. True. Okay. But I, but I do feel like that happens a lot in television. That's what I was about to go. So you nailed it, Trish, where there's those moments. It's always like they try to showcase this like awkward in-law moment where it's like, well, how come you're not using the, you know, the dishes I gave you? Well, let's bring those out. And it's like, I don't know where those are. I think we, you know, re-gifted them. That's something my mom would yeah. do. Or you, you, they, they stop by your yard sale and they're like, oh, but I gave this to you last Christmas. And you're like, oh, that was a mistake. That's a, that wasn't supposed to be out here. Right. Yeah, that happens in the sitcoms too. I would say to never invite family and friends to your yard sale. I think that's probably the biggest rule for sure. And I haven't had enough of them to really kind of know that. Let's get into exploring a little. And I, I know you guys kind of touched on it, but again, you're not, you're not full-time traveling. You guys are, you know, still finding ways to do things. I did really like your idea of, you know, reconning in a way, but being there and just being present and then going back and then shooting stuff. Cause there's always that moment if you've ever created content where I wish we would have done this. I wish we would have done that. So the day before and just enjoying it as a, as a guest, a user, a tourist is an interesting concept. I like that a lot, but what are you guys doing? What's your kind of thing? Where do you guys like to go? What do you like to explore? We're big outdoorsy kind of people. If I had the body I had 20 years ago, we might be doing high adventure, but we're not in our 20s anymore. We're in our 40s. So, right. you know, we really want to, uh, it's one of the things we're hoping to do before it gets too cold, do a kayak camping trip down the Connecticut River. Because that's um, something we've been talking about for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. It would be great to do a kayaking trip and we just never did. But we also love to find really cool, interesting places. We went to the abandoned fairy village in Middlebury, Connecticut. And it's literally this spot in the middle of the woods where some guy in the early 1900s built not only his house, but then also a bunch of little fairy-sized houses made with real materials and little like inlaid stone patios and craziness. And there's a lot of legends about why it's there, but it's just been decaying in the woods. Um, so abandoned ruins and places like that are really cool. We love hiking. But Trish is oh, no. also, well, we both like it, but Trish is really into history. So 
Oh yeah. <laughs> I love history. So yeah, if we can go somewhere historical, I'll be all about that. We just got back from Concord um, and we were at Minuteman Park for where the opening battle of the revolution was. And then later we kayaked up the river from Southbridge to get another view of it from underneath, which was cool. Anywhere we can go. And especially right now, it's got to be outdoorsy because again, COVID's impacting all of our lives. It's hard to do. It's harder to do the inside things. Um, but we want to do things like I love speakeasies and I'd really love to do a set on speakeasies. So not just exploring on the outside, obviously that's getting inside because there's so much fun and the, the history behind how they came about, especially when you can find one that's an original operating speakeasy is just super cool. So, and that's how you hook me in is yeah. the history of the speakeasy. I like vineyards. So a lot of things, you know, there's, there's a huge amount of things that we would love to go and do. And I think it's funny that, I mean, as I talk to people, you know, when before full-time RVing, I was like, Hey, if you could go on a vacation where you would go and it was always paradise or some sort of European trip. And it's really sad that we, you know, again, as a society don't realize just how much amazing just opportunities are here. And sometimes just even in our own backyards where it doesn't take, you know, a passport, it doesn't take breaking the bank. There's adventures like just where you are. Absolutely. I'm glad you said that because we didn't think of it earlier when we were talking about it, but that's a hundred percent the thought process behind what we're doing in our sometimes travel right now, because we can't do full time yet. We're looking for those cool local places and, you know, wherever you live, you don't have to come to New England. If you live in Texas, if you look around, you'll find a cool local place that you've never been that you can go and explore. And that's kind of one of the other messages we're trying to spread. Right with the YouTube channel and our locations is that, you know, you don't have to go to Europe. You know, you, there are plenty of beautiful locations here in the United States. And until we get to the point where we could go further abroad, that's kind of how we would focus as we got into the RV life. Once we can go full time is showcasing what we got right here that we can drive to in our country nearby without having to go halfway around the world. That's amazing, beautiful, breathtaking. Yeah, no, I really agree. And I think that's something, you know, after three years on the road in 44 states, it's too fast. Like, I really feel like if I could go back in time and do it differently, I'd probably not even be at 20 states. I probably would have done half the amount of states I've done because it's just, there's too much to do. And especially because I'm, you know, I'm anti big city. Like my little funny thing is if you have an Ikea, I want to be like at least 500 miles away from you. I like the little cities, the little rural areas. I didn't know I would like it that much. And yet I just wasn't able to stay there like long enough. And I think a lot of people just don't know that these places exist and we all kind of gravitate to the same. So I think the more that people are putting content out about these really unique little spots that maybe you've never heard of, because that's really, that's, it's just 2020s word of mouth. That's what content creating is. And it is the opportunity to see it and be like, Ooh, that's really exciting. I'd like to go to that. Right. Right. And yeah, that's kind of what we were hoping for is, you know, people be like, oh, that's really exciting. And wow, it's not too far. And I could go to that. Without a doubt. Now, what I like to do is in the, the wrap up, I usually like to talk about like where people can find you. But let's let's break that down now. And then I'll kind of I'll end this one a little different with a high load after that. But where can people find this content you guys are creating? Where are you guys? It sounds like there's a podcast and there's videos being put up. Where can people find it? And I'll link it all down below. We have Ain't Life a Trip on YouTube as our uh, video location blogging. Uh, we have Ain't Life a Trip podcast on podcast. On yeah, it's a pod Apple podcast, pod Apple podcast <laughs> Spotify, Pandora, all of the major players you can find us on. 
And then we have our blog, the kind of where we put whatever else we got going on. It'll cover, it'll have links to the podcast episodes and etc. cetera. Uh, but also just whatever general rant we feel like throwing up there at any given point. And that's at trishandglennv2.com. Oh, that's it. Right? And, and Bones the Sound Guy. Oh, yes. Bones the Sound Guy. He's kind of like our mascot. Uh, he's a full-size biology class skeleton, but he runs our sound system and our mixer for our podcast for us. Uh, he has an Instagram at Bones the Sound Guy on Instagram. That's very funny. I have a, a funny kind of story with a, a skeleton that um, I was in college and I was walking into a class and I gave the skeleton a high five and I got kicked out of school for two days. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, someone had donated there. It was an actual like legitimate human bone. Oh. oh yeah, well okay. Yeah, someone right. had donated it to science. I didn't know the whole history behind it. Obviously, I'm just, you know, an 18-year-old kid that's showing up to school and you know the way the arm was positioned, it was kind of funny. I didn't hit it very hard because I didn't know if I would, you know, break it, no pun intended. And yeah, my teacher saw it and that was it. I was in the dean's office and I'm out of school for like two days. Lesson learned, you know, find out, you know, if that, that's real. I didn't think they were real bones. There's no way I would have thought that. Why would you? But at the same time, you know, I get the other side of it too. Yeah, without a doubt. Don't mess with the corpse. <laughs> without a doubt. I don't think I ever touched it, even close to touching it again. The content sounds great. I mean, it is, it, it really is a lot of fun. And I always try to encourage people when they're creating content, if you just go into it for like family and friends, and then anything else that happens would be great because I would love to be watching content that my parents put out or even my grandparents. I, it would be so cool to see that. And again, as a society, we used to do that. They obviously didn't go online, but we did all these recordings. We sat around in a living room. We put on that eight millimeter track and we just sat there and watched, you know, home videos. And we've lost that. And now it's coming back a little. And I like that aspect of it. I hope my grandkids that I do not have yet at some point get to watch, you know, Grandpa D do his thing and, and watch my videos. That'd be really cool for them, I think, at least. Absolutely. We actually still hope to be traveling when we get our grandkids so that we can, uh, so we're looking forward to them, but we're not rushing any of our kids, mind you. No, they're, they're too young right now to <laughs> actually give us grandkids. Well, not literally, but. They're not established in their life to right. us grandkids. They're right, too right. Young. 19, 21 and 22. They're not ready. We hope to still be traveling and, you know, make sure that we have a class C with a couple of bunk beds so that we can pick our grandkids up and take them for summer vacations, go into cool places and things that we wish we saw when, they, when we were their age. Well, I did because my parents took me RVing when True. I was a kid. Yeah, I have kids. Uh, the three of my kids have been still back in Southern California. One's in New York. Um, it's going to be a miracle. I'll turn 50 in January and not be a grandfather with a 28 or oh, 29, 27 21 and 19, you know, I mean, it's having kids when I was 20, the odds are that I'd be a grandpa by the time I was 40 that, you know, that kind of happens that way sometimes. So to hit 50, not be a grandpa, I'm stoked. But for the same reasons too, I'll probably have grandkids that'll live in all these big cities and they won't experience rural areas. So I'm excited about the grandkids visiting. I've enjoyed the kids come visiting. You guys will probably enjoy that too. It, it makes for an adventure, you know, for the family where wherever you guys happen to be, they get to fly out and hang out with you for a little while and then fly back home. It just makes a great experience. So it's a fun way of doing it for sure, where the parents go away. I think that's really fun. And we were, we're really looking forward to it. We think it'll be great. And in the meantime, you know, if it happens to be Trisha's sister who comes and flies out and meets us and hangs out with us for a while, you know, we, we can still make that work too. You know, just really looking forward to the life on the road and having a good time and sharing it with everybody we can. Without a doubt. Now, this is normally where I ask some high low questions about really in and around full time life. But let's just talk about the transition and the preparation. What's been kind of a, a low 
in this, if there has been one in this transformation of knowing this is the goal. I mean, I, I mean, I heard one where one of the kids was like, I don't want you doing this, but what has been kind of a low that maybe you didn't expect as you talk about going full time? Well, I can't say that we didn't expect it, but I would have to say the hardest thing is retraining our brains to think that we can, you know, because we spent so much time being programmed that this is what we must do in order to be successful, have, you know, have a roof over our heads, have our four walls, you know, have our consistent regular job. Not that that actually matters when something like a global pandemic comes along, which everybody just learned, but that's be that as it may, but staying motivated and resisting imposter syndrome, you know, really staying with feeling that we can do this and being positive and because it's hard not to get, you know, a little bit drugged down as you're trying to figure out all of the uncertainties and the world's even more uncertain right now anyway. How are we going to support ourselves is a big question. And sometimes it's hard to remain upbeat and positive as we're looking for our remote income sources. And it can be a challenge. Yeah, I can see that. You know, you're working through the unknown, which is difficult for anyone. But the, the prize is so much better than... You know, yeah. So it's one of those kind of funny things. What about a high? What's been a high in this process that maybe you didn't expect? Well, the time with each other. The time with each other is amazing. Yeah, like um, I don't know when you used when he used to work, he would go away on business, and I'd be lonely or whatever. It was kind of nice too, but now we've had so much time together that we're together all the time, and I can actually see living in an RV with you and not killing you. Yeah, from that perspective, (laughs) uh, both of us being out of work. Before we were already, our relationship was already getting closer as we were really working closely to change our lives together. But since we've both been home full time together, there was an adjustment period at first. Yeah. We've become so much closer and not just with ourselves, but with our kids and our family because we're trying to share with them and the extra time that we're spending with them and getting our son Nate involved. That was amazing. Yeah. The first day he came out, worked with us for the whole day. We couldn't stop saying it at the end of the night to each other, you know, how awesome it was to have that connection with Nate at this point in his life. Cause usually a 16 year old really isn't into anything his parents are doing. I think it helped though, that we homeschooled him for a little bit. True. So, you know, he was already used to doing stuff with us or at least me. And it's exciting, even though it's scary, you know, trying new things. And I mean, we didn't know anything about audio when I started learning how to put a podcast together. So learning all of these new things and these new skills has been a lot of fun too. We've always wanted to be lifelong learners anyway, and now we're actually doing it for a purpose. Yeah, no, that's an attitude you have to have going into the full-time RV life anyways, because it really is a, a learning curve. When I hear people talk about, you know, well, we rented an RV for a week and we didn't really like it. That's not a long enough time to get through, you know, the learning curve. There's just too much that you're learning as you go, no matter how much prep you do. There's just stuff that you just, you know, you start figuring out and looking at that people can't kind of really teach you no matter how much content you consume until you get out there because everyone does it different. And, you know, it is one of the battles that I talk about is that as long as you're creating content that's very unique to you and it's your passion play and you're not trying to be this couple or that couple or this family or that family, the content will work. It'll find its audience. It'll it'll become something really cool. And you do see the people that, that chase kind of the the SEO in a way and they just go away. It gets faded. It's too difficult. It's too hard. And that's what we did at first. We, uh, we started out, we, we learned this lesson. It was the first one we learned, actually. <laughs> yeah. Because um, we started out saying, you know, we're going to be authentic. We're going to be us and people like us or they won't. But then once you're in front of the microphone or once you're in front of the camera, it took a while to defeat this automatic urge to perform. And we're still not done perfecting that, that yet yeah. either. 
And within the first month, we weren't having fun anymore. And we talked about it. And we just kind of reinvented everything about the way we're doing what we're doing and changed our priorities from, we started what was safe. We both knew we could write. So we started with a blog, but that's not what we really wanted to do. So we overcame the fear and started, but then we still let our fear limit us. We focused on the easy instead of going for what we really wanted to do, which was the podcast and the location recording on YouTube. So we kind of just recently put our whole operation on its head and rearranged. And now we're trying to put the vlog first and just be us. And it's still a battle, but you know, if anybody else out there is thinking about starting, it ain't easy. You know, you start out, you're immediately trying to go for the radio guy voice when you're doing your first podcast episode. And <laughs> it's so hard to be natural in front of the microphone or the camera. Without a doubt. Well, again, I just want to say thanks, Glenn Trish, for coming on the show, telling your story. I mean, this is one that I want to find a way to put a pin in a calendar and follow up with you guys and see where you are, especially, you know, once the boy graduates, what that looks like, if you guys are able to hit the road. So hopefully we'll be along for the ride two years from now and we can reconnect and hopefully we meet each other on the road sometime. That would be awesome. awesome. That would be great. And (laughs) absolutely. Let's hook back up in a couple of years and see where we're at. I think that's a great idea. Sounds good. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thank Thanks you. for having us, Damien. Well, another fun episode. And again, a big thank you to Glenn and Trish for coming on the show and giving us an insider's look at what it's like to start planning mentally and both physically to going full time. Feel free to reach out to them or follow their adventures in the links in the show notes. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying this Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, can you please do me a favor and share it on your favorite social media channel? It's a great way of getting the word out about both the podcast and the magazine. And I really, really appreciate it. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com. That's podcast at rootlessliving.com. And let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.